Welcome to the Blaze and Bush Podcast. I'm Jeff Bush, and along with my co-host Jim Blaze, we are here to share with you authentic stories of God's extraordinary revelation in ordinary lives. Our hope is that like Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3, you may encounter the Lord through these humble experiences. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Jim, today we're taking a little bit of a different approach to our podcast. We've had five wonderful guests on over the last five episodes, and these guests have come from many different angles and have had God revealed to them in a number of different ways, but we really felt the call to stop and reflect on these conversations that we have had with our guests and share a little bit more of what has been on our hearts as we have heard their stories and ultimately reflected back on this question that you've injected into our podcast over the last five episodes. And that question has been, what do you recommend to someone who wants to hear God's voice more clearly in their lives? And these guests have given us just such wonderful insight that we thought uh, it might make sense to have some discussion around it. Well, I think it's it's been fun, actually, watching how there are some similarities, how there are some connections that can be made. And you and I would discuss these things after recording, after discussing with the various guests that we had. And some of those conversations, we would recognize oh, man, did you notice after Kevin's conversation, oh, did you notice this connection with Carolyn or with Rob? Or, you know, after Chris's, we would see connections to someone else. And I think we both recognized that it would be important to share some of those connections with those who listen. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this opportunity to uh, really make those connections explicitly and to see where God leads this. Well, so today we've done some reflecting, and we've talked a little bit off mic about some of what we have learned from these answers that have been provided by our guests. And the first one, Jim, that really jumps out at me was when you asked Rob Teschner, what do you recommend to someone who wants to hear God's voice more clearly in their lives? And he said this sort of laughingly and somewhat jokingly, but I also think very seriously when he said, look, it's a matter of not being so dense. Don't be so stubborn. Like, go ahead and get out of your own way. And to be honest, that one struck a chord with me directly. (laughs) Well, I think a lot of us can relate because it's not just a question of when you encounter this moment, you realize there's something like St. Paul where the scales fall off, and you recognize, oh my gosh, this is what God is doing. How did I not see this before? How could I have been so blind? I think any Christian at some point has to have some experience like that, where now I can see before I was blind, now I can hear before I was deaf. And Rob describes it very well in a self-deprecating way as, as saying, I was dense, and now I'm open to hearing what God is doing. Well, and that's coming from a man who had deep faith. That's right. And I think that's that's what's so fascinating to me is I personally 
as sort of a checkbox on Sunday Christian, had some relationship with the Lord, albeit distance. There was a lot of density <laughs> between where where I was and where Christ ultimately wanted me and all of his children to come. But Rob was already very close. He... <laughs> He was active. He was teaching. He was very active. Yes. He was teaching RCIA. I mean, he's helping to educate others. But this is a moment of Lord, the Lord calling him to much greater depth. Exactly. And I, I recently, uh, by providence, just talked on prayer, just gave a talk on prayer. And one of the things, actually the first like real paragraph on prayer, talks about how the funda- foundation of prayer is humility. And I think that has to be, I see an obvious connection in this, is that we have to recognize that, you know what, even wherever I am now, there is probably still some blindness, some blindness to something right now that I need the Lord to heal in me. And so when we enter into prayer, I think the only proper attitude, well, I know the only proper attitude. I've been taught that the only proper attitude is to come in with that humility and say, Lord, open my eyes to what I need to see. Help me to be less dense in the ways that I can't recognize right now. Well, and really a great segue into Carolyn Blaze's response in episode 10 to that same question about hearing God's voice more clearly in lives And part of what Carolyn spoke so eloquently to us about was emptying your will. Yeah. And I I get drawn immediately into Matthew in the Lord's Prayer, and it's Matthew 6.10, where the Lord speaks, thy will be done. Right. Exactly. Not my will (laughs) be done. Yes. And, And... the density I found in my life was when I was trying to, in essence, drive the ship. Yes. Where my will came before thy will. Well, you, you come in, I think it's natural. You come in with a plan, right? Like even in, really, in your best moments, you come in and you say, okay, Lord, I figured it out. Here's the plan. If you do this and this, then I'll do this and this, and ready, deal. <laughs> you know, and instead of coming in again with that humility and with that emptiness of will, I think the the change of approach, hopefully, that we can attain to, is to recognize, you know what, you know what I need, and so I can trust you. I can. I can request, but then trust that you might have something else planned. And, and, and then the challenges, and I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit to like Kevin's experience. You know, certainly Kevin wanted something different, right? He, he wanted one of those, one of the people who came to pray for healing. He wanted that to happen, but that was not God's plan, at least not at that time. I, I can't predict the future, but... That is not God's plan. And so, and Chris spoke of that as well uh, in our episode 13. Chris spoke of praying to the Lord after his eldest daughter had some challenges during birth, saying to the Lord, Lord, if you take them from me, I will not lose faith. And that is 
that is true faith. That is a true emptying of will and self, and and just a whole openness to to God, and just a, a, really a profound experience. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, but I, I want to inject a thought here in a personal experience that I had had, because I, I did battle this sort of my will mm-hmm. for the first real really four decades of my life. I walked in a manner of control, and it was my vision and my efforts and my desires that were leading me down the pathway that I was, down the journey that that I was on. And it wasn't until I was exposed to the book, The Purpose Driven Life by Pastor Rick Warren, where I was struck by the very first line in the book that says, it's not about you. Yeah. And that, for me, really struck a chord. And Pastor Rick Warren supports that with Scripture from Colossians. And and I want to read chapter 1, verses 16 from Colossians, which says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And for me, Jim, that was incredibly eye-opening. Yeah. That I wasn't necessarily the one that was making it all happen. Right. All of the time or ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And I think that that's really a... a an instrumental part in our conversion. And that's when we begin to open our eyes. Yeah. When we're looking more for God's lead. And that's another aspect that Carolyn talked about, quite honestly, was God led. God is leading this dance. And my role is to follow. It's not the other way around. Well, and Carolyn talked also about the examination of conscience. And Father Schneier in episode 11 also spoke to this point. But really, you know, Jim, you talk about walking around with this 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 drive, this density that one might have. Density is kind of a tough word when you really stop yeah. to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. But once you really begin to say, okay, look, I'm trying to control things. I've got two hands on the wheel. I'm gripping it so tightly. I know that I need to begin to empty myself of of my will you know where do you go from there and i and carolyn talked about the examination of conscience again as did father but i mean talk to us a little bit about what that means oh for sure and this has been i think this is the very practical key step this was encouraged by several saints especially ignatius of loyola he spoke of the examine and when i was a kid i got to tell you jeff I was taught to do the examination of conscience before going to bed. And and basically you would go through, or at least the way I was taught as a child, is to go through my day, figure out where I'd sinned, and then recite an act of contrition. Not that these are bad things. I mean, that's totally fitting. But the idea was kind of this frightening, well, then if you die in your sleep, then you're you're good to go because ta- you've already... Who taught you this? I don't know. I... I 
I'm sure that I misinterpreted what was really said. I you, I got to be honest. So you're sort of injecting fright in a child's mind before going to sleep. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I suspect that the child's fright injected the lesson. Oh, that's okay. what I think okay. happened. To be honest, if I'm being fair to those who went before me, but. <laughs> But then, as an adult, I learned the examine in a radically different way. And you began by seeing where was God acting in your life in a palpable, like where did you experience God? God is acting in your life, as we've said many times, all the time. But where did I recognize it? Where were the mm-hmm. moments of joy? Where were the moments of peace? Perhaps sitting down, having breakfast with the kids, or seeing a sunset, something of beauty, any of those moments. Sometimes you wake up. And you just take that deep breath and you're like, man, like I am so blessed. And, and that realization is a gift from God to know his presence. And that's where you begin your examination is not just with the, you know, what did I do wrong? But Well, yeah, hold on. Because that's, you're, I, I struggle with this one, to be honest. And I can't be the only one, Jim, because it's so easy when you begin thinking about your your day and you begin reflecting backwards, unless I've had an, an extraordinary day mm-hmm. where joy is so overriding, I, I get bogged down a lot of times in you know being self-critical mm, and yeah. really saying, oh look, I made that mistake or I misstepped. I miss I misspoke or I misstepped here or there or I shouldn't have done that. And it really does I think it's difficult to start with joy. I guess that's yeah. really what I want to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, and there are two parts to that. Two parts of my response actually. The first part is that Ignatius really has you begin for and he re- he says it as Half the time of an Our Father. So if it takes you, say, 30 seconds to say the Our Father, you spend 15 seconds, and you think of God thinking of you. And there's something beautiful in that because, and and I always imagine, like, you know those people in your lives, and I go back to my childhood, those people who were just joy incarnate, who just looked at you and they were so excited to see you, maybe it had been a while, like an aunt or a, I don't know, whoever comes to mind. For each person. Is it weird that I thought of my dogs? It, actually, not necessarily. Like, there's a natural joy and there's an excitement and this focus on you that is undeniable. And you think of that is God's love. God loves us so much. And so God is looking at us with great love and with great joy. And so you begin there by recognizing this is God's gaze upon us. And now we reflect back on our lives and say, well, where did God, how did, how were my eyes opened? Or when should they have been opened? Yeah. And sometimes you move on from that to say, well, in light of that, how did I perhaps respond less than I should have in a, in a manner that was unbefitting of someone loved so deeply by the Lord? And, and that's when you... That's where it marries with the my examination of old, but you don't dwell on because the Holy, and this is part two, the Holy Spirit has come to convict, but not to condemn. And there's a, the distinction is conviction is something of joy and it's something of, you know what? You got this. You can do better. You are greater than this. 
I have made you that way. Yeah. Condemnation is you're junk. You're lousy because you do all these things. Here, look at all these terrible things that you do. You're just a terrible person. That's condemnation, but that's not what the Holy Spirit does. He he convicts, and so he identifies where we've fallen short, but in order to raise us up. You know, when I was going through my conversion process a couple of years ago and went into the confessional for the very first time, oh yeah, I was really... Well, for one, I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> it's intimidating, <laughs> for it, sure. It was, but when you really think that these priests are descendants of the apostles, and they have the authority to forgive sins. Right, by the laying on of hands. Yes. Yes, yeah. It really, one, it convicted me to be very open, be very authentic, and to be very forthcoming with this muck yeah. <laughs> I've been carrying around. But our the the priests that taught our RCA course along with you when I was in the class spoke about the fact that the confessional is there for healing. And I was I really turned to the confessional often in the sacrament of reconciliation. It really does, I think, convict me, especially when I'm Walking through my daily life, Jim, when I I might stub my toe or I might be facing a challenge, and when it would have been so easy to have a very negative response or, or be angry or take a route that is less loving in the eyes of the Lord, I do find that I am convicted now in those moments to take a more Christ-like approach and more of an approach that is eye-opening and loving as opposed to this sort of dense and selfish behavior. Yeah, yeah. I think that I love the sacrament of reconciliation for just the reasons you're describing is that it's like lifting weights where you don't go into the gym and lift weights and expect later that day to be stronger. You actually... You go in, and you—it's the—it's the faithfulness to it. You—you it, you keep doing it. You do it on a regular basis, and then over the course of the year, you find, oh my gosh, I'm quite a bit strong. Like if you compare where I was a year ago to where I am today, God willing, you've come a long way through the grace of God, and that's the important part. Is that? It's not simply me doing this on my own, and yeah, I'm going to get in there and do. Because once again, that is not the attitude of humility. If we believe that we're doing this on our own, then we've gone astray. The attitude of humility is to recognize, I am submitting myself to the Lord. Maybe like physical therapy, I don't know. <laughs> I've never had to do that. But uh, I'm submitting myself to this, to the Lord, and he is the one who is bringing me to this new place. So in terms of putting an examination of conscious into practice are you are you doing this on a daily basis what does your routine look like when you're when you're doing this personally yeah so i always did nightly i've and that's again since childhood now it's i think it's become maybe purified in intention or purified in clarity where the examination is now to seek the lord and I got to put a plug in here because there's a, a great series of talks done by Father Timothy Gallagher, and he has a book 
on the examine. And so if someone really wants to dig deeply into this, Father Gallagher is a great resource and, and his stuff is available online. But I, I still, so I still, to answer your question, I still do this nightly. Father Schneier actually talked about doing examinations when, when he had a particular struggle. He would do it even more frequently. He talked well, about- yeah, like throughout the day. Yeah, like after each meal. And so there was something regular. You think of like the monks, they pray at the chiming of the hour. Well, that could be something. If you have something that is regular- and will remind you, this is my time to do my exam. Well, it's really that moment of conviction. Yes. Again, throughout the day. It can be. Or it can be scheduled. I mean, it's fitting to be scheduled and to take that moment maybe at the noon hour and then at the end of the day to, to kind of reflect on, well, where do I need a course correction? Actually, when you think of it in those words, Rob talked about the same thing. When he's in a in the middle of a flight or accomplishing something, he would evaluate partway through because that's when you have the opportunity to change course and to redirect if need be. So uh, there's a lot of parallels. Hey, it's Jim again. You know, I'm the kind of guy that when he finds something really worthwhile, likes to tell people about it. So I wanted just a minute here to tell you about a line of Christ-centered clothing called God's Brand. I personally have several God's Brand items, pullovers, button-downs, a really nice quarter-zip fleece. They're stylish, and they help me represent my faith in everyday life. When you get a chance, check out godsbrand.com. They have all sorts of styles for almost any occasion. Again, they're at God's Brand all one word, dot com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. You know, it reminds me of when we were talking to Kevin Bailey. He spent a fair amount of time talking in his response about really where he was hearing from the Lord. And he was saying that this differs person by person. And as you brought up Rob and his where, you know, where Rob would sort of have these moments of examination, where Father Schneier would have these moments of examination, where you would. It does differ from person to person, and that reminds me of a slightly different conversation and response that we had from Kevin Bailey, and that was where he was finding that he would hear from the Lord was in Scripture. Yeah. And I want to talk about that a little bit, because we're talking about really trying to hear the Lord's voice more clearly in your lives. And Rob's response was, you kind of got to get out of your own way. Carolyn talked to us about, you know, doing the Lord's, thy will be done. Right. Not my will be done, in essence. Yes. Both she and Father Schneier talked about this examination of, of, of conscience. So you're looking deeply inside of yourself at this point in time. Well, where do you go from there? And again, Kevin said, you know, he would turn to scripture. Yeah. Now there are two different there are two different ways to read scripture, right? And there's there's the I'm gonna get through all the words and I'm going to accomplish something. And I Isn't that what you're supposed to do? (laughs) I think that's what I thought. Yeah, I gotta (laughs) I gotta be honest. I had this very prideful moment, and I think we've talked about this before, that you've had similar 
Yeah. But when yeah. I first started reading scripture, and it, I think you were the same way, mine was a pr- very prideful approach. I wanted to read the Bible because when I was, whatever I was, 15, 16, when I started this project, I didn't know anyone who had, like actually had, mm-hmm. read cover to cover. And I'm pretty sure none of my friends had, or at least I didn't know if they had. And so I wanted to do it to do it, to say, I've done this. And so it was an accomplishment I was trying to take on instead of an encounter. And that's a radically different approach. Like, Well, I, I can speak to that one yes. very clearly. When I, when I sat down for the first couple of meetings with my personal spiritual director, I said to him, look, we can talk about the Bible soon, but let me read it first. Let me walk all the way through, and I wasn't necessarily taking the approach of, I want to read it from cover to cover, but I wanted to read the entire New Testament. Yeah. And he always looked at me like, I get it, but you have no idea what is going to, what God could possibly present to you if you would just slow down. It isn't a matter of, and I sort of had that approach of, it wasn't for achievement purposes, but it was like, hey, I want to know it all, and then we can go back and actually learn it. Right, right. Because I sort of thought that that was a smart thing to do. When in all reality, I opened up to Matthew and could barely get through a couple of chapters before I I found myself stopped in my tracks with eyes wide open going, whoa. Yeah. I mean, the Lord was speaking very clearly to me. Now, Kevin also spoke about the fact that for some, the Lord's going to, the Lord's voice is going to be very profound in scripture, but others are going to hear it in different places. Some may hear it at Mass. Some might hear it in adoration, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that adoration and silence here shortly. You know, he also brought up something that I found very personal in where I hear the Lord's voice still today, and that is through music. Yes. And for me, I'm constantly listening to Christian music when I'm in the car and with the kids to the point where you know, we're singing along. Right. But you hear, you know, you hear the Psalms. Yes. In song. Um, it really does carry you and I think inspire you in in a very heartfelt and non intimidating way. Oh, for sure. And I think there's so in philosophy they speak of this understanding well, it's really theology. But they speak of God as the source of all that is true and all that is good and all that is beautiful. And these are sort of the three ways in which God is reflected into the world. And so within like what you're describing, some of the music that we hear at church or, or wherever through Christian music, you have this combination. You have, this, you have the truth that is being spoken, but it's also being sung. It's also being played in a beautiful way and yeah. so you have both and it resonates it's at the deepest recesses of who we are and it's amazing the impact that it can have for sure oh tremendous 
tremendous impact. But Jim, we've got to talk about the greatest secret. Yeah. When it comes to hearing the Lord's voice. And this is something Father Schneier spoke about very profoundly. And I'm going to give it to you here. You ready for it? I'm ready. All right, hold on. Did you hear it? I think I did. And what'd you think? Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of silence. Did that silence stand out <laughs> awkwardly enough? And I think that's, you know what? That's an interesting choice of words because I think that's our fear of it, right? We try to cast out the silence from our lives because we find it awkward. And yet it's the way in which you think of the story of Elijah encountering the Lord on the top of the mountain, okay? In, uh, is that Second Kings? I don't know off the top. But Elijah's encounter with the Lord on the mountain, and it speaks of, you know, there's the rain and there's the thunder and there's the earthquake, but the Lord is in none of these things. And then there's this silence. Yeah. And that's where the Lord's presence is made known. And there's something really true in our lives that when we are really engaged, when we are really comfortable with silence, then God can speak to us most clearly. Well, we need to unpack silence a little bit here. Oh, for sure. Because this is the most sought-after commodity yeah. in this yeah. world today. The biggest detractor from silence is technology. Now, I'm a huge fan of technology. I can't imagine going anywhere without... I mean, we're doing it literally right now with this podcast. <laughs> we are. We are definitely breaking the so silence. We fully, support, we fully support technology. <laughs> But the reality is, we're not talking about, you know, technology is needed, okay? Yes. Our iPhones, whatever device you use, our computers, it's imperative that we have this technology today for the world to function in the way yeah, to be a it part sort of, of needs to function now. Yes, yes. But it is a huge distraction, and... I find myself, like many others, when you have this 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 moment of silence, this this brevity, I immediately turn to my phone. Oh, and it's a knee jerk. It's not even. Yep. I know because I checked it thirty seconds ago. Like nobody's texted me, nobody's called. Right. Nothing right. has happened. Right. But it becomes this automatic go to to fill any sort of. Avoid in time. It seems to be like an addiction, doesn't it? I mean, oh, that's my gotta be. that's my experience of it. And, but you're right, and it's this: we are walking around with every form of entertainment known to man, just in our pocket, 24 hours a day. And so, it's not that it's bad in and of itself. It's simply the it's the overuse. But let's talk about what real silence. Right. Is. Because it's not just physical. In the other, well, the one thing I do want to mention is I know everybody's like, oh, you know, at the end of the day, I get the kids down or I plop down on the couch or I pour a glass of wine yeah. or whatever. Like, it's time to take a load off. Right. Right? That is not the silence we're talking about here. No. This is set aside. This is oftentimes scheduled. Right. Exactly. And- Ideally, and it's it's time set aside just to be 
present with no one else but the Lord. And just to, just to close everything off. But it's, and as I started, as we were beginning to say, it's, it's not just turning off everything that makes noise. It is quieting yourself. And, and I know that you've been doing this a long time. I, I have. I've been doing this through the guidance of my spiritual director. Because as he has worked to help me grow in my relationship with Christ, really a big part of this, Jim, was, as he says, I, I need to get away from the monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the monkeys, my children, my dogs, my work, uh, thinking about this podcast, whatever the case might be, there has to be this time, and, and I schedule it. Yeah. And it happens early, 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 every single morning, seven days a week. Yeah. Where before the monkeys stir, I spend time in pure silence with the Lord, but it comes immediately after prayer and some time in Scripture. So this is actually combining right. a few techniques to really sort of get myself as silent as possible. Because I'll tell you what, Jim, I really struggled with this for a while after my spiritual director said, hey, you need to spend some time in silence. And I was like, oh, that's no big deal. Yeah. You know, now I spend about 30 minutes every single morning in silence. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the Lord speaks very clearly yeah. on a daily basis to me, and he really gives me a resolution to work on every day. And it's, it's rarely the same. Sometimes there's a theme to it. Sure. You know, oftentimes it says, you know, quiet the monkeys, find more right. silence, like quit making so much noise, get out of your own way. Like there's a lot of, there's certainly some theme to it. But for a long time, I struggled. Well, like, so how long have you been doing this? For probably eight or nine months. Okay. Okay. Now. And so, like, what was your first experience? Well, <laughs> candidly, I was like, oh, yeah, I can figure this out. Yeah. Like, th this won't be a big deal. I can get up, say a prayer. But listen to the I words. read. Listen to <laughs> your own read. words, right? Your own reflection on it. I, I can figure this out. Yeah. Right? I mean, already there's a red flag. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, I was dense. <laughs> I was very stubborn. The bush genes come with a certain dose of stubbornness. So, love you, mom and dad. Anyways, <laughs> when I would first sit down to try and manufacture this silence, it was impossible. Yeah. Like, it really, I, I hate to say it, but I, I couldn't, I really couldn't do it automatically my brain would turn to, oh, my phone's on the table, or mm -hmm. I've got to do this at 8 o'clock, or I've got to make the kids lunches today, or my wife is traveling, so I need... So it, there, it was very difficult to be present. Yes. And that's a different conversation, is, is really finding presence. But clearing the noise that just stirs around in your head and to keep yourself from wanting to jump forward, it's, it's something you definitely have to practice. 
Yeah. And I struggled for quite some time. Now I can recognize it. If I get into my routine in the morning and I find myself wandering, Mm -hmm. there's sort of this automatic reversion back into scripture or into, quite honestly, I just put my head down and I just cover my face with my hands. And I just really give praise to God and just might say something like, you know, come Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I might do that for as long as it takes for me to get back into that moment. I get that. Yeah, that's awesome. Silence is hard to come by. It is. True silence. And I think that's our brokenness, right? I mean, it's a recognition. It, it takes that long to figure out, man, I'm so weak. I, without the Lord, without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, without his strength, I am so lacking in discipline over my own just because I got to tell you when I wake up in the morning, what's my inclination? My inclination is, okay, what do I have to do today? I mean, that's, that is object. Number one is what is my schedule and what is going to fill all of my time from here until I go to bed? Absolutely. That's not life. That's not life abundantly, which is what Christ came to give us. Life abundantly is being in the presence and being of the Lord, recognizing, I should say, the presence of the Lord in our midst throughout. And then everything else is seen in light of that. Like, I am walking with the Lord, and now I'm placed before this brother or this mm-hmm. sister, you know? And we are we are both children of the Father. And, and that's, that's starting to live life when we evaluate, well, how am I going to interact with this person who perhaps cut me off in traffic or, right. you know, or whatever, who is acting in a way, am I going to recognize it as the injury, as a, as a reaction to an injury, mm-hmm. a spiritual injury in his life? Or am I going to see it as, oh, this guy's a jerk, blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, like those are two radically different interpretations of the same actions. Something you mentioned reminded me of, I believe this was Pastor Rick Warren again, going back to Purpose Driven Life. Yeah. You, you said being, you know, we are human beings. Yes. Like we, are, we, are, we are here to be, not to do. I believe his phrase in the book is something like, we're human beings, not human doings. Human yeah. doings. <laughs> Because I botched that up. That's all right. But I'm too busy being, Jim, as opposed to doing. (laughs) But Chris Reynolds, in his response to the question you posed, his recommendation was spending time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah. Yeah. Flat out being in adoration. That's it. Completely silent, physically, emotionally, mentally, saying, Lord, if I remember specifically, he, he said that's the only place he could think clearly. Yes. Yes. Isn't that profound? It is. I think I think of that frequently because I, I think back to uh, our namesake, right? The burning bush in Exodus 3. And you have Moses' encounter with this presence of the Lord expressed through this burning bush, right? This blazing bush. Mm-hmm. And... 
He has to take off. He has to act differently. He has to take off his sandals because he's in the presence. Now God is present everywhere, right? right. I mean, right. there is no place where Moses cannot encounter the Lord, but God, for Moses' sake, provides this one space where Moses will be able to encounter his presence more deeply in a physical way, and God provides that for us as well. When Christ said. You know, this is my body. Mm-hmm. Well, his body's not a dead, it's not his corpse. It's his body. <laughs> you know, like right. that's different. It's not dead, it's alive. It's the person of Jesus. And we recognize that he keeps that presence for our sake. So that even though we can encounter the presence of God anywhere, we can c- encounter it more deeply and with great knowledge that he is truly there physically and spiritually in a way that we can, uh, and Chris expressed it best. He witnessed to it best by in his recognition. And as did Carolyn, quite honestly, she spoke on numerous occasions of going to the adoration chat. Well, where did I know what to do more clearly? I think that's a great parallel between their two stories. She was totally going and engaged in this whole world Interestingly, so was Chris. Same world, right? They were both involved in, in uh, right. with the money changers, like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and so they found that clarity of thought in the presence of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah. And uh, what a great gift. And they also found uh, turning to Our Lady. Well, yeah, I was, I was going to bring that up, but go ahead. But And again, we find another parallel, not only with Carolyn and with Chris, but we also find another parallel with your own story. Yeah. Well, and I, I have found that the Blessed Mother, she so desperately wants to help protect you, and she so desperately wants you to be in God's grace. Yes. At all times. And she's willing to help you at any point in time. And I think the beauty of the Blessed Mother is her love for you and her desire to really get the Lord more activated in your life. He uses Mary in such a beautiful way. It's amazing. And that's the, when you think of in John's Gospel, the last words that Mary says are do whatever he tells you. She is constantly pointing people to Christ. It is not in her apostolate or whatever you want to call right. it, her work in the church. It is not her gathering people to herself. She is gathering people to Christ. Right. And 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 Christ even at the end of his life said, This is your mother. You right. Know? This is your son. And and she has looked upon us all of his children with that maternal affection ever since. As you said, it's, it's just beautiful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blazing Bush Podcast. Be sure and check out our website at blazingbush.com, as well as follow and like Blazing Bush on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, God bless.